Welcome to Learn Buddhism. I'm Alan Pito. One of the questions you might have if you're a beginner is, how do I find a Buddhist temple? What is a Buddhist temple? What do I do inside a Buddhist temple? And what's the etiquette for being inside a Buddhist temple? I'd like to talk about that in this episode today to alleviate any concerns or uncertainty you might have about Buddhist temples. As a Westerner, this might be a concern. Buddhist temples look very unusual and are not something that we are used to. If we lived in a predominantly Buddhist country, we might have grown up with Buddhism and we would have been inside temples all throughout our childhood. But coming in as a Westerner or somebody who has never been inside a Buddhist temple, this is going to be something that's some cause for uncertainty and concern inside you. And that's perfectly normal. You're doing something that's outside of your comfort zone. But if you are wanting to be a Buddhist and practice inside a Buddhist religion, temples are really important for us. And here's why. If we take a step back and look at the entire Buddhist religion, we're going to see where temples fit in. If we look at the Buddha, our teacher, He can be compared to a physician. He is there to cure us of our sickness, which is dukkha in a Buddhist religion, which is unsatisfactoriness or suffering, and help us liberate ourselves, free ourselves from the cycle of rebirth. To do that, he has the Dharma, which is the Buddhist teachings. We call it the Buddha Dharma. And this is the liberating teachings to free us from the cycle of birth and death and dukkha, right? And we can look at the Dharma as almost like the medical textbook, if you will, and how to cure us of this dukkha. But then we need some help here, right? That's where we have the Sangha, the monastic community. They are similar to nurses or physician assistants. They are helping the Buddha, if you will, help everyone understand the Buddha Dharma so that they can be liberated as well. So that leaves one last component here. That is, where's the hospital, right? So the hospital in Buddhism is the temples. The temples is this religious safe refuge from our everyday life so that we can understand and practice the Buddha Dharma in a place that is dedicated to it. So if we look at our everyday lives, even inside our own homes, there's usually a lot of distractions there. Temples are situated and specifically for practicing Buddhism, the Buddha Dharma. And we have the monastics in there, the Sangha, which are helping us laypersons. And us laypersons are helping the Sangha, the monastics as well, by listening to their teachings, supporting them, making sure the temples are running so they can live there and practice there. So it's a very mutually beneficial arrangement, but it's all in this context. We are all helping each other. We are all part of this big religious group here, Buddhism, to help each other liberate ourselves from the cycle of birth and death. Temples are very much like an oasis for us. They're a place where we can practice Buddhism, we can do certain ceremonies, we have what's called Dharma friends. You have other laypersons, just not the monastics, laypersons that you're going to make connections with. And they are essentially patients, just like you, if we want to use the medical context, that are also practicing Buddhism. 
Some could be more advanced than you. Some can be just starting off just like you. But you're finding these mutually beneficial relationships with monastics, with other laypersons that are also practicing inside these temples. So that's kind of the big picture, why temples are so important and why we are so respectful when we are inside the temples, because they are helping us. They are like a hospital, and that's why they're so important. But where do temples come into being? If we really look back to the stories of the Buddha, I mean, he went out into the forest, the wilderness, right? And he lived out there as well, but always close to where we have towns. And so that's where they would do the alms rounds and get their their midday lunch, if you will, the, the one meal they're going to eat a day. And so we also had in ancient India rainy seasons, right? And this is where we saw the Buddha would and his Sangha would essentially be kind of held up in certain locations for a period of a couple of months. Otherwise, the Buddha was constantly moving around along with his Sangha to these different locations. So we started to see as they were held up inside these certain locations for these rainy seasons, that temples, essentially, what we now may call them, started to be established. We saw where this was going to be a place where they could practice, where laypersons could also come, but it became more of a structure than it was just sort of out there in the wilderness. That is kind of the humble beginnings of what these temples are. Nowadays, you've likely seen pictures, and you might even have it inside where you live, big temples or even small temples. So when we're looking at temples inside Buddhism, they can be everything from a magnificent, large temple and complex to, especially in maybe Western countries, maybe it's a home that has been converted into a temple. It can be as humble as that. So there could be many different levels of what we may consider a temple, but the overall context of them is they are a place for religious worship in the Buddhist religion, and they are this place of refuge for us. So how do you find a temple? Well, you probably have already thought of a couple of ways. Obviously, the internet is the number one way you could probably do this. And you can, of course, do an internet search for your particular location and Buddhist temples. They may be called different things, but this is going to be probably your primary search. And there you can find different things, different groups, temples, organizations, locations inside your city. You may not always have one near you, so there might be some a little bit further away. So sometimes you may want to do a much broader geographic search for a Buddhist temple. And don't be discouraged if there's not a temple inside your city or town where you want to practice. For example, I usually go a couple of hours to the temple that I practice in, even though there's other temples here where I live. So it's purely what is going to work for you. There's many different ways you can visit temples. It could be, for example, again, if there's not a temple where you live, you can do it during maybe your weekends, or maybe you can do it during vacation. You can take a short-term retreat or something to that effect. And Depending on the temple, they may have online services to tide you over between the in-person visits you're going to have at the temple and your practice. 
So one way, as I mentioned, is the internet. A very popular website is BuddhaNet, and I will put the link to that inside the description for this podcast. But they have a world Buddhist directory. And not saying it's always going to be accurate. You're going to have different temples and organizations may come and go. But what you can do is find based upon where you live. And this is going to be geographically by different regions, countries, even states and locations. You can find what is around you. And this might be a good first step for you to find different Buddhist temples or organizations inside your area. It could also be very overwhelming, which you may have already experienced. And this is overwhelming because you're probably not sure which branch or tradition of Buddhism you want to practice in. So that might be something you have to consider first. What branch, what tradition of Buddhism are you most interested in? Which one connects most with you? If you don't know yet, that's okay as well. A great thing, and depending, of course, where you live, you might have many opportunities around you. And so that could be a mixed blessing. Many opportunities, but also many opportunities to experience many different types of Buddhism to find which one resonates with you and which temple organization is the best fit for you in your location. So there's never really a wrong decision as long as it's an established Buddhist tradition and you're going to be able to find this out. They're going to have a lineage all the way back to the Buddha is a very traditional. And this is going to be something that's going to help you on your path. So finding a Buddhist temple is going to be probably one of your first steps, I would say. But don't go, hey, you know what? This is the only temple I'm going to look at. I'm not going to look at the other ones or these other traditions. I'm just going to stick here. If you have the opportunity, definitely go and see what other temples and traditions are around you. I think one benefit of living in the West is if you are in a particular location where you have many different Buddhist temples available to you, not only are you experiencing different ways Buddhism is practiced, but also different cultures. So the temples that we usually have in the West is coming from different countries and different cultures, obviously. So that's going to be what you may refer to as cultural Buddhism. So Buddhism is practiced in these different countries in different ways. For example, let's say it's from China. That would be Chinese Buddhism. And so you can see there's different types there, but this is going to be basically that form of Buddhism. And what's great about all of this, as I mentioned the cultural aspect, you are learning about not just Buddhism, but often sometimes the cultural aspects as well. Now, the flip side to this is you might encounter a temple or tradition where nobody speaks English or your language for wherever you live. And so this could be a barrier for you. Now, as I mentioned, a lot of these temples are practicing the, and supporting the culture from where they come from, the country where they come from. So you're going to have a lot of different temples where maybe nobody speaks English at all. They are primarily supporting the people that are keeping the lights on, so to speak, for that temple, which is the people from their, that country that are now, for example, in your country or your location that still want to continue Buddhism from their country. So that is very popular and very common as well. That's sometimes where you might see a very small temple, for example, or even the larger ones, where it's predominantly that particular language and culture being practiced. 
Now, that's not saying that you still can't go there and practice Buddhism. There's usually, to some degree, you will find maybe the monastics can speak a little English, but often what you might find is that volunteers, laypersons at the temple, likely already know English here or made the language of your country and can help and support you as you are practicing Buddhism and learning about Buddhism at that temple. So looking for the internet website of the temple you're interested in, there's usually going to be a contact form or email address or other way to contact them, maybe through social media. This will be a good way to get in contact with somebody who likely speaks the language, such as English, for your particular country and location. And from there, you can see if going to the temple might be a good option for you or not. And what's also good, as you make this connection, you can also go, could you maybe meet me there? Could you help me just introduce me, you know, gradually get me inside this temple and help me understand what's going on. And usually you're going to find a very warm reception to that. And so you may not always understand the languages being spoken inside the temple, for example, during chanting or reciting or maybe the Dharma talk, but usually you can find a way to begin your practice that way. Now, much larger temples or ones that are specifically looking for outreach, maybe speaking English or have uh, English type services or classes or the language of your country, of course. So these are usually the, the much larger temples you're going to see this in. But you could also, of course, find it at the smaller temples. Now, I'm bringing this all up because one of the things that may turn you off from a particular temple will be that language barrier or maybe that cultural aspect. And what we usually like in the West is stuff that appeals to us. So if we don't understand it and it doesn't make us feel comfortable, then, well, we're not really interested in being uncomfortable and changing our behaviors or learning about something. And this is something that's uncomfortable for us to even admit. But this is something that we should really honestly get over because what you can find is really not only a great place to practice, but also, as I mentioned a couple of times here, learning about another culture and also how they're practicing Buddhism. As I was learning about Buddhism for years and years and years ago, we had many different temples and many different traditions that I was looking at. And of course, I, I'm in one particular temple and tradition now. But being able to experience all of that and learn different pieces of all the different Buddhist traditions and cultures, I think is a very refreshing thing. Even if you can't travel the world, you can almost travel this way with Buddhism. And so my current tradition and temple that I'm in is practicing Chinese Buddhism. And so there's a lot that I, I don't understand. I don't speak Chinese, but thankfully they do have English translations or English classes or English uh, services, for example. But what you're going to see, there's going to be times you're going to be chanting or reciting, which is not going to be in your language. It is typically going to be, for example, my one, it would be inside Chinese. And that can be very, very uncomfortable and confusing, especially if you don't speak any of the language, right? So do the best you can. Don't worry thinking, oh, someone's going to be looking at me or think I'm doing this wrong or I'm going to look silly. People are focused. Remember, these are these temples are hospitals, basically, for the religious aspect, right? 
of what we're trying to do here. We're trying to free ourselves from the cycle of birth and death. So that's what these temples are about. So the people there, the other laypersons, are focused on their practice. They're not really focused on if your chanting was the right pronunciation or not. They are focused on themselves. Do you need help? They're usually very receptive. I've found you, you find people that are very much willing, maybe not during the service, but very much willing to help you. Uh, like, hey, maybe how do I pronounce this? Or what's the, the correct way to do this? You're going to find people are like, wow, I would love to show you or I'd love to explain this and to help you out because you're seeing your interest is sincere and heartfelt and then they will show you how to do that. And usually you're going to have different volunteers at a temple usually, especially in the larger ones that can show you how to do this as well. So there's different ways that you can gradually bring yourself into the the cycle, I will say, at a particular temple. Now, when you're inside these temples, you're usually going to run into, of course, monastics. You can refer to a monastic as venerable. This is a very generic and very often spoken title and term that we use for monastics. And so it depends on the tradition that you're in as well. For example, in Theravada, you might be calling them Bhante. And so there's different ways to address a monastic, but you can usually never go wrong with venerable or just simply asking maybe beforehand when you go to the temple, maybe was that email contact, for example, or social media contact going, how do I greet or address a monastic and they can tell you how or they can as you meet them at the temple for the first time which would be a great opportunity they can show you how to do it as well so when you go to the temple each one is going to be different so it's hard to do a particular episode where we're going to say here's how to enter a particular temple or here's what to do inside a particular temple because temples will have different focuses different cultures different traditions so it's going to be kind of all over the place but the key points here is going to be be respectful remember these are places of religious worship this is this is a buddhist religious temple and so show respect here don't be yelling don't be screaming don't be showing disrespect we're respectful closing you want to show respect as you go inside here because you have people other practitioners coming in here practicing they're coming here for a purpose not for a sightseeing tour they're coming here for a purpose so some of the things i'm going to talk about here might be a little bit specific to chinese buddhism but you could also relate that to different temples that you're going to go to so when we're going inside a temple, especially when you look at the Chinese temples, you might see where there's like three doors for a particular temple. And this is going back all the way to ancient China, where sometimes these were prior given government buildings, given to monastics to make to a temple. The middle of those, the, the middle door was usually for the emperor. And so the side doors were for you and me. And so for these temples, it still kind of follows that same rule. So if you want to enter a Chinese temple, you don't go through the middle door, even though it's open, you go through the side doors. And there's a different ways that we actually enter and everything as well. But don't worry if you're going for the first time, just make sure you enter through those side doors. 
the middle door is now often used not for the emperor, of course, is now used for the abbot or the, the head venerable of a particular temple. They go through that middle door. So depending on the temple, it can be very elaborate. There could be different rooms, or you might just have a main shrine area. For example, the smaller temples, it's basically you might just be going right into the main shrine. On larger temples, and especially maybe in Mahayana or Chinese Buddhism, you might enter a first hall, which is going to be called a bodhisattva hall. And so you might see many, many different bodhisattvas there. And so this might be the very first one that you're entering. You might also see people uh, bowing right there, giving offerings as well. So this is going to be sort of like the, the first hall in such a, the larger temples that you might see. Now, when you're going out into the entire temple complex, depending on how large it is, of course. And again, you might just be entering a small temple where you're going right into the main shrine area. So remember to be very, very respectful. But you might have different courtyard areas for a very larger temple. You might have um, different rooms and locations. So they all may be configured a little bit differently. But usually what you see is going to be a main shrine, as I talked about a couple of times. So the main shrine is usually the focal point. It's going to be the number one spot where Buddhist practitioners are going to. And so this is where you will see a statue of the Buddha or an image of the Buddha, sometimes also other Buddhas or Bodhisattvas as well. So it just depends on the structure of that particular temple, how it's laid out. So what you'll usually see is like this big thing right outside of the main shrine. And you're gonna see incense inside there. And so this is something that you see very often where you see practitioners, they'll be lighting incense right there, but also doing certain movements as well. And so of course, it's all gonna depend on the particular tradition you're following and temple. But usually what they'll do, they'll go ahead and light this incense and blow it out so you'll start to see it go. And they're gonna go ahead and face the Buddha or Bodhisattvas. And with that incense stick, they'll hold that at their chest. They'll make a short prayer or intention, and then they'll raise it up between the eyes and then back down to the chest and then place it inside the incense sensor. And so this is very, very popular and traditional. You're gonna see this done by numerous amounts of practitioners depending on how large that temple is how many people are there if you're unsure of how to do it just ask somebody usually there'll be another lay practitioner there or maybe a volunteer there they can show you how to do that now inside the the main shrine you can see plenty of people bowing before the buddha now there's different ways this is done depending on the tradition so i'm not going to be very specific on any particular tradition right here so what you're going to see is that practitioners are bowing to the Buddha. This is really important because what it's trying to do here is not about worship. We're not worshiping the Buddha, but we are developing humility. And also, we're bowing, and this is going to be very interesting for you, you're bowing to the Buddha inside of you. So you're basically showing humility, right? You're trying to break down this ego, this love of self, right? Which is what we're trying to do in Buddhist practice. And this is a great way to do it to our teacher. But also 
you're bowing to that Buddha that's already inside you, that capability for enlightenment. So it's very much a, it, it looks like you're doing something so simple, just bowing, but it's being very respectful. It is showing humility, but it's also bowing to that Buddha inside you. I love it. So other things that you'll see inside the temple, like in this main shrine, if you are there for services, there'll be a very structured process that actually occurs. Usually lay practitioners who uh, have already taken the precepts, for example, or the triple gem, they may be in the front, they may be wearing particular robes, especially in Chinese Buddhism, but depending on your tradition, that may not be important. So it just depends, but you want to be respectful. If you're not sure what to do on that particular service or ceremony, you can definitely sit in the back. And that could be a good way for you to kind of observe as well. Just make sure you're quiet and respectful as well if you're not taking part in that particular ceremony. The main hall or the main shrine could also be used for meditation purposes. And so for the larger temples, they may have a dedicated room or location for meditation or for maybe classrooms and stuff like that. But if they don't, that main shrine is really used for a myriad of different purposes. And one of those could also be for meditation. And then the final thing I'll talk to you about with a Buddhist temple, you're likely gonna see people giving offerings. So we talked about incense already, right? But what about all these fruit offerings? You're gonna see also maybe candle offerings and you'll see them, these lay practitioners, even monastics, they're doing this in front of the Buddha or maybe Bodhisattvas, right? What is that all about? Well, we're doing a couple of different things here. The act of offering is for your development in the Buddhist path. You are showing generosity, compassion, right? And charity. And so this is, you're demonstrating this at the temple. It's a very wholesome activity. And it's also, this stuff doesn't go to waste like the food offerings can go to feed the monastics. So you're actually showing support for the Sangha, the monastic community. Remember the triple gem? We take refuge in a triple gem, which is the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the monastic community. So it's a very symbolic thing to do, but it's also a very practical thing to do because it can also help the, the Sangha, the monastic community at that particular temple or the lay staff as well. And all these offerings have different symbolic meanings as well. And understanding the meanings can also help you keep that in your mind as you're giving the offering that you're engaged in a Buddhist practice. Just to give you an example, candles, they are symbolic of wisdom, right? So almost like that, that light going off inside your head, right? So it's this candle there. And you also see, for example, incense that we were talking about earlier, right? This is a symbol or symbolic of mental and ethical purification. So these different offerings we're doing have a very practical approach or, or practical purpose inside our world. For example, they may go like the, the fruit offerings can go to the monastics, but also they are helping you break down ego, break down self, break down love of self, so you can show charity compassion, loving kindness, mental development, wisdom. You're doing the different Buddhist practices through all these different things at a temple. Some temples also have where you transcribe 
the sutras or calligraphy, or maybe you're engaged in a class or a ceremony, or maybe you are volunteering. All these different activities are there to help us with Buddhism. And you're going to encounter different ceremonies that are going to look extremely unusual to you. Like, why are they doing that? That doesn't even look like Buddhism, or that makes zero sense. Yes, there can be some things that are cultural, right? But as you learn more about it and ask questions too, you're going to find out there's a deeper meaning to these practices. So we have what we call skillful means inside Buddhism. And these, these different things that we do inside Buddhism that may seem to be very, I don't know, inside our everyday world and or may not make much sense. But when we understand a deeper meaning, it's almost kind of like that light goes off in your head. And there's been some things, and I've talked about this before, where I'm like, why are we doing this until I learned the meaning? And I'm like, that's beautiful. That, that's just a wonderful way to not only understand Buddhism, to practice Buddhism. So as a Westerner, if you are a Westerner, going into a temple for the first time and starting to go often, let down your guard a little bit. You don't always have to prove everything being how you think it should be or how you think Buddhism should be. Embrace what's being shown and practiced at the temple. And you're not going to understand everything at, at once. That's okay. A lot of times we want to understand everything. But these temples have been doing things and these traditions have been doing things for hundreds and hundreds of years, usually. So there's a rhyme and a reason for why we are doing different things, why temples are situated a different way, why monastics are doing different things. And if we can allow ourselves to embrace that, we can discover that these temples are a great place for us to find refuge and to practice Buddhism. Do you have any questions about finding a Buddhist temple, going to a Buddhist temple? I'd like to hear from you. You can send me a message at alanpito.com. You can reply to this podcast, or you can connect with me on social media. I look forward to talking with you in our next episode. Thank you.